0: Welcome to the Bridge Beyond English podcast. This is an English podcast that will help you expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross-cultural communication skills so that you can connect more deeply with the world. I'm your host, David Nagai. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today our guest is Yuzuri Nagai. She's a botanical dye artist living in Tokyo. And interesting fact, Yuzuri is my sister-in-law. Yuzuri, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, David.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. So Yusri, I'm wondering if you can share with us about your artistic journey. How did you first get into art? And how did it eventually lead to botanical dying?
1: Sure. Since I was little, I always enjoyed making something with my own hands, and if you ask my parents, they will tell you that I was always on a hunt for a piece of wood or a cardboard, empty snack box, or even a toilet paper roll. And when I actually look back on my childhood and what I do now both, I laugh at myself because... I sometimes feel like I'm just basically doing the same thing, although the scale is very different. But at the core, I enjoy that intentional playtime I have to myself.
0: So then how did you end up in botanical dying?
1: So it's kind of a long story, but a couple years ago, I was going through a major spiritual shift and I was leaving the familiar and stepping into the unknown. I was also thinking a lot about my career, feeling a bit unsatisfied and tired at what I was doing. So after having multiple counseling sessions with myself, I realized that my exhaustion was coming not directly from what I was doing, but actually from what I was not doing. So I think my playful self that used to find joy in creating was begging for my attention. So I chose botanical dyeing as a way to listen to that, um, the voice from my playful self, because I could see myself doing it even when I get old. And I wanted it to be something that I could spend my whole lifetime on, learning and deepening my understanding and experience of that intricate beauty of the natural colors and the science behind it. So at the moment, I mainly dye silk threads, natural fibers, such as cotton I harvested from the garden or silk cocoons. And these are either going to be woven into cloth in the future, hopefully, or stay as just they are. And I'll probably use them for my artwork. I also dye my own clothes, scarves, or Japanese tenugui towels. But these are mainly just for my family and myself.
0: So you create silk from scratch?
1: Um I don't create it entirely myself, but I actually attended a silkworm workshop a couple years ago and I helped out with um local silkworm farmers. Um and I get got to experience uh, the whole process of silkworm um, becoming silk cocoon. Actually, this spring, I am hoping and planning to welcome a couple of silk worms to my house and raise them um, and take care of them up until they turn into silk cocoons. And I'm wow. very excited about
0: it. Wow, new housemates.
1: Yes, <laughs> little housemates.
0: <laughs> Those little harvesters, wonderful. <laughs> so, Maybe the audience is wondering, Yuzuri, what exactly is botanical dyeing?
1: Yes, thanks for that question. Um, Botanical dyeing is a method of dyeing using colors extracted from natural plants. Um, Colors can be extracted from roots, leaves, stems or fruits or seeds, branch, tree bark and sometimes flower petals. And some colors can be extracted by simply squeezing the plant or boiling them in hot water. And some require a more complicated process, which include fermentation. And that is um, how indigo is actually dyed. And I think a lot of Japanese listeners are familiar with aizome. And this has been my favorite dye to work with so far. And my work is actually centered around
0: the color blue can you share about how dyeing has developed over time in japan
1: yeah um up until the mid 18th century people were using natural dyes all over the world because there's no chemical dyeing um but what made the history of botanical dyeing in japan so interesting um although I'm not an expert, this is just my opinion, but is that I think that that breathtaking sense of beauty and a very keen sense of colors people had here. And I think it has a lot to do with, the, uh, with being surrounded by so many different colors that seasonal changes bring to the nature here in Japan. So today I want to talk about this term that originated in the Edo period, which is meaning 48 shades of brown and 100 shades of gray. it's just so amazing when we think that all these colors were dyed with natural dyes and that people were able to distinguish so many shades of brown and gray. And during Edo period, botanical dyeing skill advanced even more and dyers started to use different methods of dyeing, which brought a huge change into the fashion scene in the town of Edo. And a little bit about the um, past history, but in around the mid 18th century, though chemical dye was introduced in the clothing industry in Europe. And that was a big shock and it quickly spread around the world. And it is said that Japan was introduced to chemical dyeing towards the end of Edo period, actually. And of course, chemical dye is easier, cheaper and faster compared to natural dyes. So it eventually took over the dyer's community in Japan, just like other places in the world. Then, Japan underwent a drastic change during Meiji Ishin or Meiji Restoration, which brought a huge shift in the economy and the fashion industry. So clothes were no longer something that was woven or dyed by craftsmen in the town, but mass-produced products made in factories. So, in this way, many skilled craftsmen slowly died out. Uh, So did the rich tradition of botanical dyeing,
0: sadly. Then, more recently, it's become more popular once again?
1: Yeah, so it's just actually been just recent that botanical dyeing has been getting attention and regaining its respect from people. And I think there are a couple of reasons for this, but I feel that it's because people are starting to think more about sustainability as well as realizing the value of craftsmanship or looking for more unique stories behind things when they shop.
0: So what makes botanical dyeing most valuable in this modern time?
1: Mm -hmm. I think it gives us some clues to understanding who we are. Um, oftentimes I ask this question to myself, why did people used to put so much effort in dyeing their clothes with things from nature? Why couldn't they just be satisfied with white or the natural color of the fabric? And I think this tells us a lot about who we are and that we are human beings that are always seeking after beauty and that it's something actually very fundamental to our well-being.
0: So how has botanical dyeing changed the way you see the world?
1: Botanical dyeing takes a lot of time and so many processes and sometimes ears and ears to get the deep shades of color. I also grow some dye plants from seeds in my garden and this has made me appreciate the process and the experience behind each color. I think this is totally the opposite of what this fast-paced world asks for. We are so quick to judge the value based on the results, right? So um botanical dime teaches me to slow down. And there's something so valuable in the world and that they are not convertible to money.
0: So usually most of us don't know how to do botanical dyeing and probably we don't have the time or space to grow that in our garden. I don't have a garden. (laughs) So for us, what's the way we could embrace this concept of sustainability and craftsmanship for ourselves in this modern time?
1: Right. I think there are many ways to do that, but maybe... Just becoming a little bit more intentional about things that might take a longer process or longer time and effort than usual. Just having that attitude and posture towards life might broaden your perspective or shift your perspective. Also, maybe you can, um, instead of going to a store to buy mass-produced product next time, maybe you could go and visit a local store that sells local craftsmen's work and maybe spending a little bit of extra money on those things because there's reason behind why they are expensive than the things that are sold in general stores.
0: Maybe when things are so cheap and convenient, it seems like the price is lower, but the price is being paid with the environment.
1: Exactly right. So... Yeah, just a little bit of intentionality behind how you use money, what you pay for would make a big difference. And also, I would encourage you to, when you go to a local store or buy things made by craftsmen, ask them about their story behind each product, um, how they were made, where they are made, where the material comes from.
0: So if we become more intentional about understanding where things are from, who made them, we can maybe appreciate those products more respecting the craftsmen respecting nature and they might even last longer and we can appreciate them on a deeper level
1: exactly and we get to become a part of that whole experience and we are actually paying for that experience itself as well
0: so you said you started botanical dyeing about two years ago Where is this journey leading you so far?
1: So my botanical dyeing journey started from a very personal place. But through seeing people's reaction when I started to share what I have been doing, I realized that maybe I do have something I can share with the world. So as a milestone and a celebration of my botanical dyeing so far, I still have a long way to go. But um, I decided to have an exhibition and share my work with others. So this April, I will be hosting my very first exhibition in Tokyo with another artist who is a painter. We are both very excited to share our work with others and create a space where visitors can just slow down and appreciate art and colors. I will also be hosting workshops uh, for botanical dyeing and also side events with music and spoken words. So, if you're looking for an opportunity to experience the colors through your hands or music, then feel free to join us.
0: So, at this event next month, basically people can see your art and learn how to dye themselves.
1: Yes, it'll be a whole experience, um only if you want to though. So wow. I'll be around the gallery most of the time. So if you visit, please say hi, and i'll more I will be more than happy to share my story or each story behind each colors
0: and you mentioned this is going to be available virtually as well, right? At least the viewing of the gallery,
1: yes, exactly. So, It's been a very difficult time um, for many of us, and artists are trying to find new ways of connecting with people, right? So we are working very hard at the moment to make it a COVID-friendly show for everybody. And we are also um, trying to provide an online platform where people can join the show and some of the events from anywhere in the world. So you can get more information at the link in the description or follow me on Instagram at journeying into underbar blue
0: journeying into underbar blue i will put that in the show notes as a link so people can find it and it's in japanese and english if they join online right
1: yes Mm -hmm.
0: and it's free
1: yes the exhibition itself will be free for everybody and the workshops and events will, will cost a little bit
0: Okay. Wow. So it's accessible to everyone in the world. I know many of your friends will be joining from uh, Hawaii and the mainland U S that will be uh, kind of a, an international art experience for people online. Fantastic. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: So Izri, thank you so much for sharing about your journey and uh, what you're doing now and uh, inspiring us with ideas. I'm wondering What keeps your creativity alive? And do you have any wisdom for our audience about how to maintain and grow their creativity?
1: Well, you can come to my show to maintain and grow your creativity.
0: (laughs) Of course, I plan to do it. (laughs) I plan um, on it. (laughs)
1: Thanks. Um, But I guess what's important for all of us is that we pay attention to our inner voice. For me, it was my playful self that was begging for my attention. I think it's also important to keep showing up to what makes us feel alive, even when we don't feel like it or it takes a lot of time and effort. And once we find out what we need to do to cultivate our creativity and our inner well-being, we then need to learn to protect that when people say like, something like it's a waste of time, energy, or money. And what's funny is that sometimes it's our own grown-up selves that we need to tell to back off. That was a case for me.
0: So our responsible adult self tells us you shouldn't waste time playing and being creative. Exactly. And it sounds like you're saying, no, follow your inner child be creative play
1: yeah exactly and even if it doesn't bring you more money right away that's okay so some of the questions i want to leave you with today would be is there anything that is trying to get your attention now how are you listening to or not listening to it how would you like to honor that nudge or that voice?
0: Yuzuri, thank you for sharing your journey of art, of botanical dyeing and following your inner child and rediscovering more of your creativity. Thank you for sharing it with us.
1: Thanks for the space.
0: And uh, many of us look forward to seeing you at your exhibition very soon. I'll put the link in the show notes for anyone who wants to check that out. Thank you, Yuzuri. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, David. Goodbye.
0: If you want any information about Yuzuri's art and exhibition that's happening the first week of April, you can find it in the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.